This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, welcome back. Okay. Tubishvat tonight. Um, does anyone understand Tubishvat in this room? Why, why are you getting so excited? A bunch of fruits. Like, you know that tomorrow by davening, you don't daven with a minion, but tomorrow by davening, which is two bishvats tonight and tomorrow, we don't say tachanun. The only time we don't say tachanun is on a yontif. If it's a yontif for trees, what does that have to do with us as humans? Why wouldn't I say tachanun? I'm tachanun tomorrow. What's going on over here? So, I don't understand two bishvat at all. I'll tell you why. Two bishvat is Rosh Hashanah, Le'ilonos. Rosh Hashanah, for trees, Hashem judges the world on Tu Bishvat on how much fruit will come to the world. How much fruit? Every apple, every seed, every anything that's Boyapriya ate, not Hadama. If I were to do a Rosh Hashanah for trees, right? I definitely would not do it in the winter. Like, tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up, and I have a fruit tree in front of my house, and I'm going to walk over and say, Happy New Year to you! And the tree doesn't have one leaf, one fruit, one bud. It looks like it is dead. Why would you celebrate a Rosh Hashanah for trees in the middle of the winter when they're dead? I would think we should celebrate it in the spring when you have a fruit tree always has a blossom first. That's the way Hashem created the world. Has a flower. We make a bracha on that flower. And that's when I would make Rosh Hashanah for trees. Or maybe in the summer when the fruit begins to grow. But not in the middle of the winter. This is Judaism. Through and through. Judaism, Yiddishkeit, Torah is based on Potential, not the goal. Potential, effort. That's why I scream at all the schools. There should be no, no report card with the right side of the report card with marks. Only the left side of the report card, which is conduct and behavior, interpersonal relationships, and effort. If you're an aleph in effort, I couldn't care less what you got on the test. Because it's not about what you got on the test. If you tried your hardest and you have a 95 IQ, which only gets you a 70 on the test, you really got a 100 on the test because you did 100% of your ability. Just because the other girl has 165 IQ and a, and a photographic memory and she doesn't even have to study, it doesn't have to work, and she only put in half the effort, guess what? I think she failed and I think you passed. Because she only put in half the effort. We're not goal-oriented. How do you know that? How do we know you're not goal-oriented? Because there's no competition in Yiddishkeit. In the whole Torah, there's no competition. It's not goal-oriented. There's a mission picking up us. It says, It's not for you to finish the job. That will not fly in school. That will not fly in the non-Jewish world. What do you mean you didn't finish the job? But, says the Mishnah, just like it's not for you to finish the job, 
but it is for you to start. Because the bottom line is that you can't finish any job, you can't finish anything without Hashem's help. That's what the mission says. The goal doesn't matter. The effort is what matters. The potential of a human being is life. We are called in Kabbalah and in Shir Hashirim, we are called a human being. What is it compared to? Not a frog, not a bird. To the eight Hasadah. To the tree of the field. That's what we're called. In Kabbalah, in, in the Zayar, even in Shir Hashirim, you are the tree of the field. Why are you called the tree of the field? Why are you a tree? Thank you for calling me a tree. Why am I a tree, Rabbi? I'm going to go home. What'd you, so what did Rabbi Wallace teach you today? Ma, he told me I'm a tree. I don't know if they'll be so happy with that. What kind of tree? That's the first question you all would ask. What kind of tree? A fruit tree. Do you know that it's an Avera to cut down a fruit tree? Do you know that if you have a fruit tree in the front of your house, you can't... There was a, there was a house in Borough Park that they wanted to sell and it had a huge apple tree in the front and they couldn't sell it because they wanted to knock it down and they had to get the tree out of the way. You cannot. If you kill a tree, it could lead to your death. Tree. Why? Why is a fruit tree so important? Because, not a regular tree. A fruit tree. Why? Yeah? Let's say it's like rotted, it's like going to fall on it. Like if it's dead, water. you can do it. If it's dead, you don't have a problem. But if it's alive, you cannot, you cannot pull it out of the ground. Why? Because a fruit tree, why we compare the fruit tree? Because the fruit tree is potential. The potential of the tree is it's going to give fruit. But a regular tree, what's the potential of a regular tree? Wood. So you can cut it down, use the wood. But the potential of a fruit tree is fruit. Therefore, you are not allowed to ever cut down a fruit tree. It will, let, it will end up, you can really die from it. It's really a bad thing. Never pull out a fruit tree. If, if, you can pull out the tree by its roots and replant it without it dying, you're allowed to do that. But if it dies, you're in big trouble. So most people and most guys in the gardening and these companies, whatever, they will not do it. They're like, I can't guarantee you that when we replant it, it won't go into shock and it will die. You can't take that chance. We don't cut down fruit trees. Because fruit is potential of growth. And Judaism and being a human being is potential of growth. I don't know if you've ever read the book. It's a great little book. It's about 10 pages for little kids. A little teeny book called The Living Tree. The Living Tree is an amazing book because it talks about a tree and that there's nothing else that grows that gives as much as a tree. Tree gives fruit. Tree gives shade. Tree gives wood. Wood can be used for fire. Wood can be used to build. Wood can be used for a table, for chairs. It's amazing what a tree gives. Can you cut yes. down branches of a fruit tree? Yeah. You can't cut that. You can't kill the tree. So, the Yantiv of Tu what we're celebrating tonight, is the greatest potential that could be. Why? Because I'm not celebrating it when there's a blossom. When there's a blossom... So the potential of a flower is gone. It's, the blossom is there. So now if there's a blossom, right? So I make a bracha on the blossom because the blossom is something I can make a bracha on and it's going to become a fruit. But the biggest potential of growth is when there is no growth. Because my fruit tree right now doesn't have a leaf, doesn't have a bud, doesn't have a flower, doesn't have a fruit, doesn't have anything. So when it doesn't have anything, zero, zero, 
So that's a big, if it's 10, 20 already, because it has blossom, so it only has 80, to go to 100, it only has 80 points. But if it's zero, it has 100 points. So today is the, the reason we celebrate Tu B'Shvat in the winter is because we're celebrating the potential of the fruit that Hashem is going to give next year. How do I do that, everybody? How do I do that? The meaning of the Wallersteins, which I think is a German meaning, a Yekish meaning, is we eat 15 fruits, because Tu B'Shvat is 15. We eat 15 different fruits on, on Tu B'Shvat. Now, fruits mean it's an eight, so you can eat a walnut and a hazelnut, not a peanut, peanut sadama, right? And a, a Brazil nut. And watermelon doesn't count. All the melons don't count because they're all hadama. Banana is hadama. Pineapple is hadama. It has to be an ace. We have 15 aces and we always have a shechiano. And the shechiano is usually an esrig. Because you don't eat an esrig. So when you eat the esrig, it's a shechiano. They make esrig today, you know, they make it with, it's like in honey. So it's sweet. But you can make shechiano on the esrig. Why on an esrig specifically? I have esrig in my house. I bought this morning. Why an esrig specifically? Because it says that a man should pray on, on Tu B'Shvat, he should start praying for his esrig. That his esrig on sukkah should be beautiful. Why? Because, this is the godless, why, to, why, to, why not, the machloik is in the Mishnah. Some rabbis hold that the holiday is the first of Shvat. Some rabbis hold it's the 15th of Shvat. What's the argument? What's the argument? The argument is, when the sap, the juice, begins to go from the roots into the tree of the estric tree. So the, the rabbis will hold this, the first of Shvat hold, that on the first of Shvat, that's when it starts, so that's why we celebrate it. We don't hold like that, we hold this the 15th of Shvat, so the, the, the whole celebration is due to when the sap starts to grow into the estric tree, so therefore I eat an estric, because I'm praying for an estric, because it's an estric tree, for the next year. But the godless of it is that this apple, I, I can't even explain it to you as much as I feel it. So I'm going to sit down tonight, let's say, and you're going to take out an apple. And you're going to look at this apple and say, this apple last Tubishva didn't exist. It only existed in potential. The apple tree was dead. It's not dead, dead, but it looked dead. And now I'm eating an apple, which is the product of the potential of last year. And I can tell you that this, what I'm telling you, is the essential part of Rabbi Wallerstein's belief in every single kid. That, that everybody could change. And that you have to be able to look at someone who looks dead who looks like, I don't keep Shabbos, I don't, I, I don't keep Shabbat Gia, I don't keep anything, Rabbi. I'm looking at a dead tree. But I'm able to see that this dead tree next year, whew, and 10 years from now, it's going to have children. I'll tell you a story, Rabbi, Rabbi Ronnie Greenwald. His neshama should have an aliyah from this story. Just to give you an explanation, you probably didn't know him. He was the most amazing Girl rabbi, he had he 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 ran um, Camp Sternberg. He had a, a a school in Muncie. He was the most amazing man altogether. Crazy if you look into his story. They're about to come out with the book. Rabbi Ronnie Greenwald was amazing. He was in my high school in BCA. He was the dean. He was the top. I went to him when I had situations that I needed help in. So he told me this story. So he always saw 
He didn't see, he didn't see you, he saw your children and grandchildren. He didn't see the person. He saw their future. True story. This girl gets kicked out of a Beis Yaakov with a boy, something happened, whatever. And Beis Yaakov was like, out, we can't. She's a Mahdi, she's got other girls into trouble. We can't, we have such a girl in our school, it's going to ruin the whole school. And they went to the rabbi of the school, the rabbi who, whatever, and the rabbi said, she has to go. She has to go. And everybody tried to get her to stay. So they called the board of directors, the guys with the money, you know, the powerful guys in the school who support the school. You got to do us a favor, you got to keep it. They tried, Rebenson said, no. They had rabbis in the town call, Rebenson said, no. They had a gadol, they had a gadol hadar call, Rebenson said, no. No, it's my school. I'm not. This is not happening. Okay? Done. What are you going to do? The parents went to Rabbi Greenwald and said, Ronnie, you're our last stop. Could you talk to the Rebbe? We went to this rabbi, that rabbi, money, this, that, the board, that. She's not listening to nobody. He said, what, what makes you think you can listen to me? Listen, you're Rabbi Greenwald. Maybe. I don't know. Try. Okay. He never said no to anyone. He would always help a kid, no matter what. He told me the story. He calls up the Rebbitson. She picks up the phone. And before he can say one word, she says, if you're calling about so-and-so, don't waste your time. I'm not taking her back. He didn't even say what he wanted. He said, no, no, that's not, I didn't call you about her. She said, okay, then we can talk. He said, I don't want to talk over the phone. I want to come to, I want to come talk to you. Okay, no problem. He comes to the office and he sits down. She says, okay, Rabbi. Everyone loved him. Okay, how can I help you? What can I do for you? I want to ask you a question out of the box. Would you ever, like if a Bobby walked in, let's say, with her granddaughter or whatever, is there anything she could do that you would throw her out of your school? She would, he would, Throw a Bobby out of school? Like, what, what are you talking about? Chastri Shalom would never throw a Bobby out of school. He looks and he goes, Really? A Bobby? A Babuchka? Not a Chastri Shalom. You did! He goes, What? She goes, What? He goes, Did you throw, I'll give her name Miriam. Did you throw Miriam out of school? She said, You promised you wouldn't say Miriam. You, you promised you wouldn't talk about her. I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about one day she, Miriam, is going to be a Bobby. So right now what she is, I'm not talking about her. I am talking about in 40 years from now. What kind of Bobby is she going to be if you throw out of school and she ends up on the street? She's not going to be a Bobby of a from family. You threw out a mommy, a Bobby, and an alpha Bobby. I'm not talking about her. I'm not talking about Miriam. Miriam you can throw out. But you can't throw out Baba Miriam. It's a true story. And this woman just sat there in shock. Okay, we have to think it over. And she she didn't throw her out. So everybody in this room, you're not a girl. You're not a seminary girl. You're a grandmother. You're a mother. You're at your potential. 
of Tubashvat, it's a dead tree. But you're eating the fruit of the dead tree last year. That should be the biggest chizik for you when you sit tonight and you eat your fruit and you make a bracha, Shechiyanu v'kimanu v'kiyanu v'kiyanu Hashem, you gave me life to realize at this moment that it's potential that counts. I might look dead, Hashem. I might be in trouble. I might not be keeping all your mitzvahs. But look what happens from a dead tree, from a dead girl who's, who's broken inside. But look what happens. The next year, there's a fruit. That was his godless. That was the rabbi's godless. But you have to look in the mirror and make the same cheshben as he did. What am I doing? Yeah, for me, who cares? I'm looking at movies and all this other stuff. But it's not you. You're a mama, you're a grandmother. What are you doing? What are you setting yourself up for? Judaism is potential. That's what Yiddishkeit is. Totally 100%. And the problem with our system is we became westernized. We became Yavan. We became Olympics. One winner gets the gold. That's it. And you can lose by the eighth of a second. You can your whole life train to be a gymnast. And you're one eighth of a second slower. You're nothing. You're not on a Wheaties box. You're not getting advertisements with Nike. You're nothing. That's the world we live in. Unless you're on the top, you're nothing. It's not like you're second best. A girl once told me, Rabbi, I'm second best. I said, that's amazing. You have good self-esteem. She goes, no, everybody else is tied for first. Everyone else is tied for first. I'm second. Nothing. I'm nobody. You have to think about that for a second. If everyone else is tied for first and I'm second, I'm a loser. I'm the worst. I'm on the bottom. So this is a nevidikiyantif. This is not a time to say tachanun. What is tachanun for? Tachanun is a shamnu baganu guzalni dibano. I stole, I looked at things I shouldn't, I did things I shouldn't. I did daven, and maybe I looked at my phone on Shabbos, whatever it is. A shamnu baganu Hashem. I'm a sinner. Not tomorrow, when I'm looking at potential. What you did in the past, that's not potential. When I'm looking at potential, what are you doing? Hashem Lubagadu, what are you doing? That's the past. That's dead. Do tshuva. But that's not potential. So tomorrow, Rabbi Walsing is not saying Hashem Lubagadu goes on them. Not on Tu Bishvat. Tu Bishvat's about potential, 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 potential. And anyone who works in Kirov, anyone who works in and who, who, who believes in kids has an eye, not for what you see right now, but for what you see is going to be, or could be. Maybe it's not going to be, but could be. The possibility of a person's potential is amazing. I was just talking downstairs. Why I saw a horse being born, I saw cows being born. I used to go to a kibbutz in Eretz Yisrael when I was in Eretz Yisrael. So I saw animals that are being born. When a horse is born... It, it comes out of the womb. The, the, the horse is laying on the floor pretty much. It comes out of the womb and it stands up right away. When a cat is born, it stands up right away. When a dog is born, it stands up right away. When a fish is born, it swims right away. So why when a human being is born, you can't do nothing? 
people get all excited. I have this story where there's a cat. People have a cat and then they have a baby. Right? They bought this cat and they have a baby. And the mother is like, Chaim, Chaim! What? What happened? The baby just rolled over. I got it on video. Ooh, ooh, send me the video. The cat's like, huh? I roll over all the time. The baby rolled over. You're getting excited about that? Chaim, Chaim! You're not going to believe it. First of all, you know when you find out a baby rolls over? When they fall off the bed. Because until then, you don't think they know how to roll. So everyone in this room fell off a bed. Because until then, your mother didn't know you know how to roll. So you put the baby down, oh, the baby doesn't roll, all of a sudden, boom, uh-oh, baby rolls. That's how you find out a baby rolls. And then, here's the big one. Chaim, Chaim, what? She crawled. And the cat's like, what is up with these people? You excited that she crawls? I, I was born and five seconds later I walked. And then, oh my gosh, she stood up holding on. And then she stood up without holding on. Wow. And the first step, oh my God, videos, videos. Call the cameras. It's like a wedding. She took a first step. Plop. She walks. She runs. She jumps. Children never jump before they run. Do you know that? You'll never see a kid that just started walking jump. It has to go in a certain way. So I'm asking you a question, Hashem. Why do animals walk right away, swim right away, and we human beings on a much higher level? What's up? Why don't we just be born and start walking? That would be cute, no? In the hospital? <laughs> Model up, it's a girl. Get, get back here! <laughs> I have an interesting head. What should I tell you? <laughs> born without teeth. We can't chew our food. Somebody has to give us a bottle. We can't even take our own bottle. <gasps> She's holding the bottle! Nabuch. She can't even hold the bottle. We're born without talking. Dogs bark right away the second they're born. Cats meow right away. And you can't talk for who knows how long. We're born very incomplete. Pretty much, we cannot do anything. We can't diaper ourselves. We can't eat ourselves. We can't talk. We hardly can see the first few weeks. We can't even roll over. Why does Hashem do that? And animals, they do everything except one species, birds. Birds cannot fly right away. If a bird is born, it's in the nest, it can't fly right away. It takes time for it to learn how to fly. If it tries to fly right away, you find it on the, on the floor dead. I don't know why birds are different. I'm not there yet. I, I'm, I, the question came up today and I don't know why. But animals and fish and everything else... Right away, human being, nothing. And in the end, in the end, you can't compare us to an animal. We're scientists. We can drive, we can fly, we can make computers, we can learn. We can talk syllables, languages, French, English, Spanish, Jewish, Hebrew, whatever, Yiddish. We're much more than the animal. But starting off, but much less. Because as human beings, potential 
Hashem wants you to start at zero. You can't even crawl or roll over. You can't even feed yourself. You don't even have teeth. Even though the Zayar says that the reason that person doesn't have teeth is so it wouldn't hurt its mother when it's nursing. It's a Zayar. Why aren't we born with teeth? That Hashem had a cheshben, I don't want to hurt the mother. Everything in this world has a cheshben. So the reason Hashem did this is because struggle, getting up, falling, you know how long it takes to, to, get, to learn how to walk? Fall, bang your head in the, in the side. It, it's, it's crazy how many times kids fall. Or to learn to ride a bicycle. No one ever learned to ride a bicycle who didn't cut their knees to pieces. It's a struggle when you take those training wheels off. That's who we are. That's who makes the human being. So Hashem starts us like the tree. It's a tree. It's a sada. The tree today is nothing. No leaves, no flowers, no sap, nothing. But now you're eating the fruit of last year's nothing. That's a yantus. So a human being is born zero. Baruch Hashem, I think you can hear clearly when you're born. Probably you could smell clearly. Two of your, two of your senses, uh, three of your senses, and feeling are there. Eyesight's not there yet. So he starts us at zero. We struggle to get where we are. But then when we get where we are, we're on a much higher level than any of those things that he created that don't need to struggle. Because struggle is effort, and effort gets you to a very high place. It's not for you to finish. You know why? Because if you do the effort, it'll finish on its own. But you've got to take the effort. You've got to take the step. And I'm going to tell you a story. I haven't said it probably in 30 years. In, I definitely never said it in the seminary here. I'll tell you a story about how a moment can create a miracle. Because in this week's parsha, getting off to Bishrat for a minute, in this week's parsha, the very impossible Pasuk to understand. I'll read it to you from inside. The Pasuk says the following. Ah. So Klaistrol is, is stuck between the Egyptians and the Yamsuf. So Yisus B'nei Yisrael say Nehem, they look up. Mitzrayim is running after them. They're very scared. And they begin to scream at Hashem. To Davin, to yell. By Yomrel Moshe, they say to Moshe, Hamibli and Kavarim b'Mitzrayim, aren't there enough graves in Egypt? Now remember where they are right now. They're stuck. The Egyptians are crazy behind them, throwing spears. We're going to wipe you out, big army. And in front of them is this raging ocean. You took us out to die in the midbar. Marcos and Cecil are no. What is this that you did? Like sending Mitzrayim, Moshe Rabbeinu, take us out of Mitzrayim. Hello, Zayad, Dabba, Shed, Dibana, Elechem, Mitzrayim. Didn't we tell you this in Mitzrayim? Telling you, Chadami, Menno, and Nazar, Mitzrayim, leave us alone, and we'll, we'll be slaves in Mitzrayim. Kitov, Lanu, Lavo, Yedas, Mitzrayim. It's much better to be a slave, you know what I'm saying, by Midbar, than to be dead in the desert. So Moshe Rabbeinu answered that, Vayom, Moshe, Elohim, stop, Altiro, don't worry, it's Yatsfu, stand here, Ru'u, you'll see. Yeshua's Hashem, Yeshua of Hashem, Hashem Yom that He's going to do today. The way you see Mitzrayim right now, you'll never see them again. Hashem Yilachim Lachem, God will fight for you. You be still. Okay. So Moshe Rabbeinu's davening, Klai Yisrael's davening. 
Everyone's davening, Hashem, help us. What do you do when you're in trouble, girls? You're davening. Hashem says, what are you screaming about? Says Rashi. I don't know if any of you ever understood this Rashi. Maybe you never learned it. Hashem said, what are you, what are you, what are you screaming at? Lamagma we learned, that Moshe was standing by the Yamsuf and he was davening. Hashem says to him, now's not the time to daven. The Jews are in trouble. What? Rashi, what are you saying? Now is not the time to daven? When's the time to daven, girls? When you're in trouble. Moshe was doing what he was supposed to do. How does anyone understand this? He's diving to Hashem. Hashem's like, huh? Now you're davening to me? Now is not the time to daven. What are you talking about? So, what does Hashem tell him? Dabel b'nei Yisrael, don't cry to me. V'yisau, tell them to take an action and to go. Now is not the time to stand here and cry to me. Get into the Yamsuf! Take an action. Do something. So what was this machlekes that Moshe didn't know? What, what didn't he know? Why... Why is he standing there davening? Imagine you're by the Kaisel and you're davening for a shidduch and a voice comes out of Shemayim and says, Miriam, what are you davening for? Go find a guy. You'd be like, that was the mosque behind the Kosel. That wasn't Hashem. I'm sitting there with my Tehillim full of tears and, and you're telling me go find a guy? Hello? Rashi says, Hashem says, I don't want this now. Get up and get out. So what's going on over here? What, what is Rashi saying? And the answer is that the Medrash says that when they came to the Amsuf, Moshe Rabbeinu said to the Malach of the Amsuf, Kleisrol is here, it's time to split. It's time to split. Open up. And the Amsuf said, you want me to break my teva? Oceans flow; they're waves. We don't we don't split. You want me to break my nature, but my nature Hashem created, so I'm not going against my nature for you, because the Jews served idols in Mitzrayim, and the Egyptians that are running after them served idols. And they both served idols. I'm not splitting. I'm not breaking my nature. So it's a very beautiful medrash, and the medrash says, and all of a sudden the yam split. Why? What did the Yam see that it ran, that it split? Atmos Yosef, Aron Shomo Yosef. It saw the bones of Yosef that Moshe Rabbeinu was carrying, was bringing. Why did that make the Yam split? Because Yosef, who was a man, a beautiful, handsome man, was alone with this very beautiful girl who was trying to seduce him, right? Potiphar's wife. And... He said, I'm not going to be seduced. I'm going to break my manly nature of being with this woman. And he ran out. Says the Medrash. What did the Yam see that He saw the Vayanas of Yosef. That Yosef broke his 
Teva. So now the Yam had to break its Teva. And that's why Yosef said, leave me in Mitzrayim and take me when you go. Because if he would have been born at Yisrael, the Yam wouldn't have split. That's one shot. Beautiful shot. Another shot is that Nachshon, Nachshon jumped in. And the water went up to his neck, girls. And he's like, come on, everybody, follow me. The water's going to split. And they're like, really? Well, you're up, and you're up to it in your neck, and it doesn't seem to be splitting. He said, I'm going to go deeper. I'm going deeper. He went deeper, and the water went over his mouth. And now it's right under his nose. And the water didn't split. The water still didn't split. And then people are like, yeah, you're about to drown. And then he went deeper, and the water covered his nose. And now he could not breathe. And the yam split. Because he broke his teva. A, normal, a human being, when the water's over your nose, you can't breathe. So he broke his teva because Hashem said to do this. So the Yam had no choice but to break its teva. These are the two tevas that were broken by the Yam. So I asked the girls downstairs, why, why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu jump into the water? He's the leader. Why Nachshon jump into the water? So one of the girls, her name is Malki, downstairs said, I know the answer. I'm like, Really? I don't know the answer. She said, I, I learned that I know the answer. I'm like, what's the answer, Malki? Beautiful answer. She said that Moshe Rabbeinu told Klai Yisrael, Hashem wants us all to jump into the water. So Nachshin, Moshe never had a chance to jump in. Nachshin jumped in and said that if the, if the, the Gal Hador says to do something, you have to follow him, no matter whether it makes sense or not. So he jumped in to be Makadesh, what Moshe was saying. Beautiful terrorists. So Moshe didn't even have a chance to jump in. Moshe said it. And he's like, yeah, but Moshe Rabbeinu said it. Let's go. And he jumped in. To show that when a, when a Rav says something, you don't ask questions. You just do what you have to do. Malki downstairs, yeah. She said the terrorists. Beautiful terrorists. So we have 10 minutes. I want to tell you an amazing story that none of you, I don't think any of you girls ever heard from me. Maybe you did, but I haven't said the story in a very long time. The story happened about 30 years ago. I'm teaching 43 years, so it's about 30 years ago. You're supposed to say, you don't even look like you're 43. Okay, whatever. <laughs> in California, in L.A., a long time ago, I went to speak. I was probably 55 at that time. I'm now 63, Baruch And I got up and I was like, so, um, I was like, so I'm in Chinuch for whatever, for, at that time, 35, 48 years. And one lady screams out, you don't even look like you're 35 years old. I was like, I'll come back to this place anytime you want me to speak. <laughs> anyway, but on a serious note. So this story is a very old story. Um, so I was, I was teaching in Crown Heights Yeshiva in Mill Basin, 8th grade boys, and it was a co-ed school, girls and boys till 6th grade, and then in 6th grade it split. So there were women teachers there also, and this girl just came back from, very superstar teacher at the time, this girl came back from seminary, going way back, she's probably a grandmother at this point, um, and she told me, I have to tell you a story. I said, okay, and this is the story that she told me, listen to this crazy story. She said that she heard the story from the girl that it happened to. So it's mouth to mouth. You know, it's not a, I heard a story from 800 people. It was like, she told me the story. So she told me the following story. There was this girl that lived in the south side of Chicago. Bad neighborhood, gangster neighborhood. And her parents didn't want to send her to public school. Because the public school was really bad. They had all kinds of problems, drugs and all the other stuff. So they sent her to the only school that was there was a Catholic high school. Even though she was Jewish, they had no connection to Judaism. They didn't know Hashem. They didn't know Yiddish guy. They didn't know, they knew nothing. They were like these people that mamish knew nothing. They sent her to Catholic school. She went to Catholic school. Her name was Miriam because she was named after her grandma. That's the only way she knew her name was Miriam. And of course, in school, they didn't call her Miriam. They called her Mary. Her name was Mary. She went to high school. When she went to high school, her parents 
there was some kind of reform shul that was teaching a little bit about Israel and Judaism. So her parents said it would be very good. We don't know anything about Judaism. You should go there. It's Sunday school for two hours. And you should learn about your, where you come from. She said, okay. Smart girl. Very smart girl. She was interested. So she went. Now, it was a reform. They don't, you know, no Shabbos, no nothing. Shabbos, microphone, woman, rabbi, the whole works. But they, they, could, they had no one to hire. They hired this from lady from Chicago to be the teacher there on Sunday. But they told her, you are not allowed to talk about Shabbos. And you're not allowed to invite anyone to your house. If you do that, you're going to get fired. In other words, don't bring any Yiddish guy. Just teach Israel, you know, Abraham, Sarah, you know, that's it. Okay. She starts teaching this girl, Mary, Miriam, whatever. And this Mamish becomes a huge connection between the two of them. This girl really likes her. And one day she says to her, could I come to you for a weekend? I'm going to get fired. Which said, you know what? Everything's Barsha, Hashem wants. Okay. Come to me for the weekend. She comes to her for the weekend. This is how she says over the story. Mary says over the story. Miriam. She said, so I come to the teacher's house. And I never saw shop. I never saw anything. I knew nothing. And the teacher takes these candles. And she's about to light them. And I say, where are my candles? And the teacher says, no, I light. I have you in mind. She goes, no, I want my own candles. I want my own candles. Because my mother doesn't have candles. I don't know if I ever see candles again. I don't want your candles. I want my candles. Okay. She takes out two candles. For Mary, you can light candles like Lababish. Lababish, everyone like All the women like candles. Okay. You want to light candles? Light candles. So she stands there and, you know, they close their eyes and she says, repeat the bracha after me. She break with her broken, she tries to, but she can't really, but she tries to make the bracha. And she tells her, the teacher says, whatever you wish for at the candles, God gives you. Okay. I don't know what you wish for, whatever it is. And that was it. So that was Shabbos. She spent Shabbos there and the teacher got fired. Immediately. Yeah, you weren't allowed to do that. She, okay. Never saw the teacher again. Teacher went back, got a job, said whatever. Never saw her again. Okay. Mary grows up. She goes to a Catholic college. She meets Vinny Castellano, right? Italian. And she falls in love with him and they're getting married. When are they getting married? On, on a Saturday? They're getting married on. Now she's telling over the story to this girl. She's getting married on a Saturday. And she gets into the limo. They're going to the church. And the three bridesmaids, they're bridesmaids. They get, sort of get dressed all the same, whatever. I don't really know what they are, but you probably do. And her three best friends, the bridesmaids, get into the limo. It says getting married, balloons, the whole thing. They're Gansamaisa, right? It is. And they're in the car and they're on their way to the middle of Chicago to the church to, to marry Vinny. And again, this is her perception of what happened, she says. And she's in the car, and the girls have this big box. And she's like, what's in the box? You go, we bought you something beautiful for your wedding, but we're going to give it to you in church. She goes, no, don't make me wait. And they start the girl stuff. So like, no, you have to. They're going back and forth. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, you have to close your eyes. You're not allowed to see. And we'll tell you when you can open your eyes. It's, it's a girl thing. Guys don't do that. The guys just grab the box and open it. All right? So she said, okay, my eyes are closed. So they take out this chain, this gold chain, and on the, what's on the chain? A big gold cross with diamonds on it. She's married, they're Catholic. It, like, to them, she's not Jewish. Okay, they close it behind, and she's like, this is how she says over the story, and she's like, okay, can I open my eyes? I'm like, no, not yet. It's not just a chain, there's something on it. Oh, really, really? Okay. And the girl is holding the cross, and she lets go of it. 
and the cross hits her chest, and this is her perception of what happens, a voice comes out of her soul and screams when the when it hits her body, the cross hits this Jewish body with the soul in it, and the soul screams, No! This actually says over the story. Where does the no go? To Shemayim. Hashem. Hashem's sitting on his kitzah kavod, and there's this no coming from earth. A girl from her guts is screaming no. Now she didn't say no. This was her perception of what her soul said. She, was, she opened her eyes and said, that is the most gorgeous thing. I love you. Kiss them all. She didn't know anything at this point. The no goes, this is her, how she tells the story. The no goes to Shemayim. Hashem says, what, what's the no? What's going on? Satan says, this one's mine. She's church. She's marrying Vinny. She doesn't know anything. Hashem, don't worry about her. Out walks this, out walks this, this is what she says, out walks this little malach. And they're like, the Bezin Shemayim is like, who are you? What are you doing here? He goes, I'm Miriam's malach. Miriam's malach. Why, what, what does that mean? He goes, when she was younger, she lit candles, Shabbos candles. I am the malach of her candles. Hashem, she lit Shabbos candles. You have to give her a chance to do tshuva. How long was she by at the candles? 40 seconds. Okay? She gets 40 seconds to do tshuva. This is what Mary is saying over to this seminary girl. 40 seconds to do tshuva. Okay? Four girls from JEP are in Chicago on a JEP Shabbaton, Jewish educational program. I don't know if you've ever been in JEP. And they're standing at a corner and they're lost. And this limo comes up and the light changes red. And the window is down and this guy is sitting there in her wedding gown with a cross. So I could ask a guy directions because you can't ask a Jew directions because if they pull over, you're making them be Michal Shabbos. So they say to her, excuse me, do you know where 22, did, 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 whatever it is, it's a temple. And she goes, yeah, that became orthodox a few years ago. I used to go there for day school. And they're like, why would you go for day school if you're not Jewish? And she goes, oh no, I'm Jewish. My real name is Miriam. And they're like, one of the Jeff girls must have been a Brooklyn girl. She goes like, well, that ain't no mug and David. <laughs> You're not wearing no mug and David. That's a cross. And she goes, oh, I'm going to marry Vinny, whatever it is. And the light turns green. And she's like, pull over. She tells the limo guy, pull over. And she goes, you know what? Why don't you go just get in the car? We'll drop you off. I'm very early. I didn't do my makeup yet. I have time. We'll drop you off by the synagogue. I know where it is. And they're like, well, we can't get into the car. It's Sabbath. We can't get into the car. She didn't even know that. So they're like, she's like, okay, you're going to get lost over here. I don't want you in this neighborhood to go down the wrong street. Follow me. We'll take you there. Okay. Now, you're all girls, so this is the way you think. You have four Jeff girls. What are they thinking? It's by shared that I shared. Put us on the corner. And the light turned red. It must mean that we have to be McCarriver. <laughs> Guys would be like, eh, who, you know, what? But it's like, Shemayim. Okay, I'm not making fun of you. It's, it's, it's a good midah. It's not a bad midah. 
Because you're maternal. You want to help. You're, you're maternal. We're not. We're paternal. You're maternal. Maternal means I want to help. I want a dolly that, you know, you can give it a bati and, and then it has a diaper. And yeah, okay. Right? How do you think Barbie made all that money? It's because you're maternal. Gotta change it. Summer wardrobe, winter wardrobe. Don't ask me how I know. Okay? I have daughters. I never had a Barbie. Don't worry about it. Right? Well, ask me. Anyway, so I had a Bubby. I have a Bubby, but not a Barbie. So anyway, so they're like, we have to do something. What are we going to do? Like, how are you? And they're talking like, okay, we're going to come up with something. Anyway, they come to the parking lot of the shul. And she's like, okay, that's the synagogue. You know, have a good day. And they're like, one of the girls, one of the Jep girls, she should be benched in Shemayim. She's probably going to go to Ganeidin, who knows how high. Says to her, if you're Jewish, don't, you're getting married today, don't you want to get a blessing from the rabbi? Like the rabbi's going to give her a blessing to get Shabbos to Vinny. But she, I got to get her, I, I got to get her into the shul. She said, don't you want a blessing from the rabbi? She says, oh, the rabbi would give me a blessing? Of course, you're getting married. You need a blessing. Really? Okay. I'll come inside for five minutes to get a blessing. And the other girls are like, the Italians are like, oh, here we go. Here we go. She said, but if you could just do me a favor and maybe just take the cross off for a minute while you go into the synagogue. Pretty chuspity, no? It's just, it's not a symbol that we bring into the synagogue. So of course, I respect, I respect Judaism. Oh, no problem. She takes off the cross and her neshama's like, I'm breathing again. Right? Okay. Takes off the cross, but now she comes into the shul. It's a very cute story. She comes into the shul. It's in Chicago, so they're out of town shul, right? She walks into the women's section in a gown, in a wedding gown, not very sneers. can imagine what that wedding gown looked like, right? So, no, you got to put on the shawl. You know, they have that anyway for the women. The, the shawl, the little, little white thing you put on your head, a little dolly, right? And she sits down, and the Rebbitson's sitting there, and the women are like, they never saw this, a wedding gown, right? And the Rebbitson, it's probably about shuva. And she's just taking the Shabbos Kala thing a little too serious. Don't, don't make fun. Don't make fun. Don't say anything, right? Okay, they don't know, right? Okay, they don't say anything. They came at the end of davening because the Jeff's lunch and their whole thing was in that shul. They came at the end of davening. At the end of davening in Ashkenaz shul, the kids sing Enkelokenu, Aleinu, and, uh, and, and, and Anam Zmira. So it's like really, it, it sounds like, if you've ever been to shul, only the little kids sing it. It's like listening to a bunch of angels. It's gorgeous. So this woman, this girl who was never in a shul, first time she comes into shul, it's not like someone reading the Torah or something like that. It's like little kids singing. And she's just sitting there and she's, her neshama is like sucking this all in. It's like, whoa. And she like never heard this before. And these four girls are like, oh, now what do we do? Melamalki, what do we do now? We kind of like, what do we do now? And there's nothing they could do. What could they do? Meanwhile, they're beeping outside like crazy. You're late, whatever it is. They're beeping outside. And mom is disturbing everyone. There was nothing they could do. What could they do at this point? So she goes downstairs. The Rebbeson takes her downstairs. And the rabbi says, you should be blessed. Didn't say you should be blessed with Vinny, but you should be blessed and God should be with you, whatever it is, fine. HaKash Bochel is amazing. They come, to the, they come to the car and these four Italian girls, they are so angry that she went in and that all this time and they're going crazy and their makeup wasn't done. Their makeup was supposed to be done after. They, they're, like, they're freaking out. And they start screaming at her. These Jews, this is always happens with them. You, you, you got to break away from them. And then she said something they should have never said. And Hitler should have killed them all. And this Mary looks at her four friends, or three friends. What? Yeah, yeah, this is what they do. This is what they, look, oh, let's, get, let's get the blank out of here. Hitler should have wiped them all out. Look at them. 
And she said, these are my people. I'm not going anywhere with you. Keep your cross. One of you, I don't know which girl it was, uh, another girl, she goes, Angela, you anyway have all the eyes for him. You can go marry him. He likes you anyway. Don't waste the wedding cake. Done. Hitler should have killed us all. Done. Rabbi says, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Come to us for Shabbos. Anyway, make a long story short, she goes for Shabbos. She becomes religious. They send her to Neveh in Israel. Totally into it, learning. And wants a Hasidic boy. There was something about the spirituality, whatever it is. Anyway, a shidduch with a Rav Ar, a guy that went through the same thing. Baal Tshuva was brought up, who knows where, whatever it is, became Hasidish and became very into Rav Ar, the Hasidim. Those are the Hasidim with the long pairs and the big white yarmulkes with the little thing on top. They live in Mer Sha'arim. And he gets married to this, Mary, Miriam at this point. How do I know the story? So this girl that is now a teacher in Grand Eyes Yeshiva was in seminary. And the seminaries used to send the girls out to different homes to see what Shabbat's like in a Sephardic home, in a regular home, in a Hasidish home, in a this home. That's what they used to do. It was like, and then you would write a report, what you saw. They sent the, these two girls, one of them was the teacher, to Miriam's home because she had an open home and she was American and she was a Rav Aral Chassid. So this girl comes for Shabbos to this home. And the husband leaves an hour before Shabbos. And then the wife comes down to light the Shabbos candles in a wedding gown. And these two girls are freaking out. Because they're thinking that Rav Arula women light Shabbos candles in wedding gowns. That's a little cuckoo, real cuckoo. So when, and she has like three little girls and three little boys. She had a bunch of kids already. Little kids, right? And they all stood there and she lit candles. They're all little kids. Maybe one older boy went to shore. And they're all watching their mother light. And when she finishes lighting, she's like, I know. You want to know about the wedding gown. So she tells these two girls, the day that I found God was on Shabbos. On the day I was supposed to marry Vinnie. So to show Hashem thanks, I wear a wedding gown, the wedding gown, the wedding gown, every Friday night when I light candles. End of story. Now, I said this story in the five towns. And five women came over to me after the story and said, Wallstein, that is an amazing story, but it's not true. I said, I didn't, when I first heard it, I'm like, going from marrying Vinny to Rav Arala, <laughs> I mean, you can become a little from, but that, that's like, that's crazy. They said, no, 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 that could be true. I said, so what's your problem? They're like, there's no way that after five, six kids, she could still fit into her wedding gown. <laughs> true story. I'm like, that's what you got from the story? I said, there's no way that she was wearing a gown that was open all over the place, because that's what she wore. I am sure that she went to a seamstress when she became from and closed up all the open places. And at the same time, if it makes you happy that she got heavier, say, opened it up from a size three, which I think is whatever I said, there is no such size. A size two, there's a certain size that doesn't exist, which I said because I don't know anything about it. And now, if it makes you all happy, she's a size 12. You happy? 
Oh, yeah, now I'm happy. Now the story is true. What's the essence of the story? The essence of the story is that she did something for 40 seconds. She didn't dive in that she should come about tshuva. She jumped into the yam. She, she did a maisa. She did something. Now you want to hear something that's totally freaky? 40 seconds. She stood by the lights. Green light, a red light to turn into a green light. Takes 40 seconds. Hashem said, you gave me 40 seconds, I'm going to give you back 40 seconds. Look what happened. So everyone's thinking, I got to change, I got to do crazy stuff. No, jump into the Amsaf. Jump. Why are you yelling? Why are you crying? Why are you depressed? Do something. Now's not the time to dive in. Now's the time to take an action. You take a little action, your potential... Your potential is off the wall. Just take a little action. You take a little action, 40 seconds. I'm not telling you you have to marry Ravarul Chassid, but you take a little action, and there is no limit. It's infinite what could happen. Look at this story 40 seconds. That's what we're celebrating. We are celebrating tonight and tomorrow the potential of a tree, which is the potential of a human being. And the potential of every girl in this room is to be a holy mother and a holy wife and a holy grandmother and a wholesome mother and a wholesome grandmother and a wholesome wife. So drugs and guys and movies and all this stuff, it's not about you. It's like, I'm different, Rabbi. I can handle it. Yeah, but can your children and grandchildren handle it? Because that's who you are, says Rabbi Greenwald. You just threw this little girl out who's 16. No, Rebetzin. You threw her as a mother out. You threw her as a grandmother out. You said you would never throw a grandmother out of school. Well, you just did. What a lesson in life. Tu ilanot. Enjoy this yantif. Hatzlacha. Whose phone? You must put this up today, because I gotta have it up for two Bishra. I always send it though. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.